electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod, and I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. On today's episode, two weeks after crisis in Ohio, former CSX and United Airlines CEO Oscar Munoz says the railway responsible is now playing catch up. The thing I've learned from experience is your initial response is by far the most important. All the things that are being done now should have been done a lot earlier. And a CEO missing in China, last seen in Beijing, and his company under investigation. So nothing should surprise us. So when are we going to hear about this guy? We're going to, uh, I don't know. Where do you think he is? I don't know. What do you think he, they're serving him? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to continue with questions I don't know the answer to? Those stories plus Sam Bankman-Fried is in trouble again. And there are some big wins for betting giants. Media and entertainment consultant Michael Wolf and the not-so-risky gamble on gambling. Our forecasts show last year we had $99 billion in the U.S. in gambling revenue. By 2026, we're forecasting it's going to be over $200 billion. It's Friday, February 17th, and Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one. Cue it, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is off today. Stocks tumbled yesterday with that stronger than expected PPI inflation data. It came in quite a bit hotter than expected, up 0.7 percent instead of up four-tenths of a percent. And then you had Fed presidents Jim Bullard and Loretta Mester speaking in support of a 50 basis rate hike, or 50 basis point rate hike, I could say, when the Fed meets next in March. We should note neither of them are voting members. Both of them were voting members last year, not in 2023, but they do have influence. And Joe, I was looking through who is a voting member. Um, got Powell, John Williams from New York, um, Lael Brainerd, who is a very dovish voice, but she's going to be stepping off to go out. So I don't know who they put in in her place. Austin Goolsby already is a voting member. So even if he's, not, if, even if he's promoted to vice chairman, He'd still have that vote there. So I don't know who you'd pick up. Uh, Harker's there, Jefferson, Neil Kashkari, uh, Christopher Waller, Lori Logan. I guess the alternate members are Richmond, Atlanta, San Francisco, and Cleveland. So I guess Mester could get picked in as one of the alternate members. And in recent meetings, how unanimous is it, normally? Because they're fairly all, close. Right, they, but they're on. They, they, they do what Powell wants them to do, though. Mostly. I, I think mostly, but I think that they have discussions, and that discussion definitely helps determine where the vote's going to go. That's why you have to listen. Even if you're not a voting member, you do have a voice. I'm still trying to figure out whether people are still uh, affected by not doing anything for two years, therefore they're throwing caution to the wind, or whether there's still money left from, from some of the stimulus programs. Because this is lasting, and the economy, after what looked like it was starting to roll over a little is 
back with a vengeance. Three well, percent retail America sales. Bank of America will tell you that people still have more money, more cash in their, their because accounts. Because they saved it up for two years. Yeah, so they have more money that's come in, and you have a very strong jobs market, and you have wages right. that have gone up. So you have people who are, if, if you have a job and you feel like your job's secure, you probably don't have too much of a problem saying, I'm going to do this. Yeah, and any other time, it'd be like, wow, this is uh, such good news. But every time something like that comes out, we look at it and go, oh. Why can't we? Uh, why aren't things worse? Well, it, so that the Fed, except can, for that yesterday, the inflation data we got is like, oh my gosh, the inflation's not going away. They haven't conquered it yet. It was the lowest sequentially. It's gone yeah. down, down, down. It was ever still since almost March double of what we didn't been anticipating. What, yeah, but we should blame the people with the wrong anticipations. <laughs> it's their fault. <laughs> No, it, it's input costs, too. When you're talking about producer prices, you're talking Energy, about the inputs. Energy, I think Leesman immediately pointed to. He did, and that's a fair, a fair concern, especially well, if you listen to some of these people who think energy prices are going back up. Well, that's the point where I get so frustrated, because the only, if the only way you're going to deal with energy is by causing people to use less by slowing the economy, that's a, that it'd be this better increase the supply, supply increase the supply, increase the supply, increase the supply. Shares of China Renaissance are plunging overnight in Hong Kong after the company said in a filing that it's been unable to contact uh, its chairman and CEO, Bao Fan. Prominent Chinese businessman is also the investment bank's controlling shareholder. He previously worked at Credit Suisse and Morgan Stanley and is considered one of China's best connected uh, bankers. Bao last appeared on the company's WeChat account uh, in a post in early December, which shows him attending a recent event in Beijing. A Chinese financial news outlet pointed out that Bao's disappearance followed a government investigation of one of his company's subsidiaries. And you just wonder, in China, when, when you look you know, if they ever do have really decent disclosure, if they ever decide to do that, in, in the risk factors associated with the company, if it's a possible disappearance by any of our senior management with the government, the CCP, is possible at any time. Just fact that that doesn't happen, hopefully, in most normal places. But I, I think what this raises is the question of whether Xi Jinping is really kind of done, if we've seen the end of them going after business leaders and, and beyond. Why, this is the last guy, you mean? No, I, I think this raises, like, we, we thought maybe they'd done what he, he'd made his point. And oh, oh you mean of it, but if, this, if he's this finished with these types of... Yeah, and that's clearly not the case when you have this happening. Remember too. when they walked up and whispered to that guy right in the middle of the whole thing? The, that guy who was here. the former, pr premier, yeah, yeah. former president. I mean, it yes. is just... Uh, when we think, oh, they're going to come around, yeah, it'd be like us eventually. Um, yeah, the CCP. I don't, you know, Chinese people are fine, but I mean, the CCP is what it is. It really just is yeah. what it is. So nothing should surprise us. So when are we going to hear about this guy? We're going to. Uh, I don't know. Where do you think he is? I don't know. What do you think he, they're serving him? I don't know. <laughs> Would you like to continue with questions? No, I, don't know no, I just, to. I mean, he hasn't been seen since December. Oh, these are rhetorical questions. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Is he going to reappear? Is it possible for him to reappear? Maybe. I mean, we. Does someone know where he is? Yeah, I mean, Jack Ma has reappeared <laughs> right. slightly right. here and there. Right. These are the risks that come with it. If right, which big. they got to put in their disclosure now. For anyone yeah. in the United States buying a company over there, that should be in there. The CEO can disappear at any time. That's, that's understood, even if it's not clearly put into the disclosures well, at this point, yes.
We should be happy where we are then. The federal judge overseeing Sam Bankman-Fried's fraud trial threatened to revoke his bail if severe restrictions weren't placed on his use of electric, electronic devices and apps. There was a hearing yesterday, and at it, the judge said that the government's proposal for kind of tightening up some of those restrictions on him was not sufficient. The proposal that came forward would have limited Bankman-Fried to one monitored cell phone and laptop and restrict his use of Zoom to communicating with his lawyers. His use of apps is a big concern after Bankman-Fried used the encrypted messaging app Signal to contact a potential witness in his case. Also of concern, his use of a VPN, a virtual private network, which can mask a user's identity and location, and people said, hey, you can be doing that to be moving crypto without anybody ever being able to track any of these. Now, Bankman-Fried's lawyer says that he used the VPN so he could watch the Super Bowl using an international subscription, even though it was a violation of his bond and his bail situations. The judge expressed a lot of skepticism about that claim and yelled even at the prosecutors who were bringing this, saying, you're not doing enough. This is a guy who in the past we know has told his underlings to use Signal so that they could be having conversations that could not be monitored by the government. And now he is doing just that in violation of the terms of his bail. Now, the government prosecutors came forward and the judge said, hey, hey no, no. This is not this is not strict enough. And if you guys don't come up with something better, I'm going to revoke the bond. I remember reading it and being confused that he was accessing something in the Bahamas that he had to watch the Super Bowl. And I'm Which like, ridiculous. Buy a television. You don't even need cable. Right. That's like a broadcast. Now, you could you could put an antenna up and get and watch the. Yes. And, and his lawyer came up with something saying, oh, I wish I would have bought him a television. Apparently he has no TVs in the house. But you violated the conditions of your bond, of your bail. Do you know what a 40, you know what a 40 inch flat screen with equipped with all smart like features? 200 bucks. 200 dollars. I know it's like 200 bucks for a television. Right. And and here he is, like living in California, and his parents. Something house doesn't pool quite smell right. Going on. Yeah. And just the idea of using and and using these apps so that can't be tracked, and we don't know what was going on. And he tried to contact a government witness <laughs> using the app. Right. Coming up on Squawk Pod, it's been two weeks since a derailed freight train spilled hazardous chemicals in Ohio. But the rail company, the EPA, and the Biden administration are still working on how to put things right in the affected community. Former rail CEO and former airline CEO Oscar Munoz shares his advice from his years of service. The fundamental focus needs to be on the human beings that are at that side and making them feel cared for, and, 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 and I think that's what's causing a little bit of the uproar. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow today. 
Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Good morning. Welcome to Squawk Box. This is CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is off today. The Biden administration says rail operator Norfolk Southern will be held accountable for the freight train derailment in eastern Ohio that spilled toxic chemicals earlier this month. In a letter yesterday to the East Palestine community, Norfolk Southern CEO said, we will not walk away. But company officials were noticeably absent from a town meeting on Wednesday. Meantime, the EPA is trying to reassure residents that the local air and water is safe. Joining us right now to talk about the corporate response is Oscar Munoz. He is the former president of rail operator CSX and, of course, the former CEO of United Airlines as well. And, and Oscar, th thanks for coming on this morning. Um, this is a story that I don't think we've given enough attention to. It, it's been two weeks since this happened. Norfolk Southern has said that they're going to be there. But they didn't send anyone to this town hall meeting on Wednesday night, even though originally they were scheduled to be there. They said they were worried about employee safety. They've established a fund for the town of East Palestine, but it's only a million dollars. They say this is a down payment, but I can't imagine that goes very far when you start looking at the scope of this. What, what do you think of their response so far? Gosh, you know, that's a hard one. Good morning to both of you. Uh, sorry about the circumstances that we're having to, uh, to talk. But, uh, you know, the, the thing I've learned from experience is, your initial response is by far the most important. And I think if I had uh, advice to give, I guess, it would be to do all the things that are being done now should have been done a lot earlier. Uh, I can't explain why the absence uh, of, of the town hall, but I think uh, at this juncture, you know, the response to this in the industry for so long, this is, this it, it happens and, and all, the, all the railroads have these amazing recovery mechanisms and experts on this. And importantly, I know when I was there, we spent a lot of time training and providing equipment to local first responders, fire departments, often are volunteer shops in some of these small cities. And so the, the care and attention beforehand is critical. And then when it happens, you get on the board and you get on the ground and you provide all this assistance to all the residents immediately. And that tends to diminish the, I, the outcry that you have, you know, two weeks later is the issue. So I think uh, always faster and better and more direct seems to be a much better response than this thing. But having said that, it is never too late to do the right thing. And so I think they're beginning to do um, the right thing. And I urge them to continue that. I mean, you look at the, the pictures that have come out, you consider the toxic chemicals that were spilled. I mean, this seems like it is going to be a, a, a long haul a very long time before they can repair the damage that's been done here. In the meantime, you've got a lot of people, like you have to wait for national or the federal regulators to go through and determine what really happened in this. In the meantime, there are a lot of people's lives who have been put on hold here. Hence, hence why the immediate and total response is so critical, right? I mean, people are out of their homes, their lives have been disrupted. So as much as you can do for them, uh, and you, you don't put a price tag on it. I know that at CSX, uh, within hours of an incident, we were established, set up, in, in communication with all the local political and community leaders, with the federal government, all the agencies that respond. There is a, there is a response time. The, the NTSB will, will investigate this for a long period of time. Um, I think the railroad itself has said that they think they know the cause, um, which is all important to, to a degree, but the fundamental focus needs to be on the human beings that are at that site and making them feel 
cared for. And, 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 and I think that's what's causing a little bit of the uproar. You're having all the political divide and all the things that happen after these events when something hasn't been handled the first, the first right and at the first, right the first time. And so, again, I just I, the, the initial response to everybody that's listening that leads organizations, I cannot express to you how important it is that you get it right right off the first bat and always think about the people that are affected, which in this fact are the, you know, the community there at East Palestine. All right. If this is a derailment that was caused by bearings in one of the wheels, I mean, there's technology that's supposed to prevent or at least warn when things are going on with that kind of like a hot box technology. How does it work? Is it everywhere or do we need more implementation? What's happened just in terms of those safety precautions? You know, I, I don't know. So you're, you're correct. Uh, hot, box, hot box detectors, the thermal unit that measures and, 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 and monitors the, the heat of the, the rail cars as they're going by. And it's a digital process that accumulates all that data across the line of road. And it gives uh, people in, in the, the, the mechanical department an awareness that there's something you know, going on with the things. This is all steel on steel sorts of things. So, so we, have, we have hot box detectors, there's acoustic detectors, there's a ton of inspection trips. I cannot tell you how much time I personally spent in these inspection uh, trips up and down all of those lines of road, all that railroad, uh, where we have sophisticated equipment that monitors off. So the preventative aspect from that perspective is there. How many hot box detectors, whether they somebody picked up the, the trend with this particular car or is it something that just happened quickly, that'll be up to the NTSB to, to detect. But yes, for the regular public, I mean, there is a lot of mechanism that's done and performed and performed admirably by the people of the railroad. Uh, but you do have instances like this. And again, I hate to sound like a broken record. When this kind of stuff happens, it is so important to get on the ground immediately and take care of all the population, the citizens that are in that area. You know, Oscar, we had, uh, I don't know, this seemed like a really big deal. And, and I, I know that the administration was dealing with balloon gate or whatever you want to call it. But what do you think of, of the uh, response? Has, has uh, Secretary Buttigieg been front and center on, on this, this whole situation? You, you think it's been a, a response that uh, lives up to, to all it could have been from the administration? Well, hi, Joe. Um, you know, it's, um, it, it's always a difficult situation because I'm not sure how much the federal government can actually do once the situation has happened. I think EPA is there, CDC is there. I think Homeland Security showed up. Even FEMA, who's not naturally wired for this kind of thing, I've never seen them at a derailment, for instance. Um, so they've sent all the right people and they've responded again. Um, some would argue later than they should. But again, um, the government didn't cause this at this juncture. Uh, the, you know, the railroad situation, the railroad involved, that's where that first response, that's where the immediate relief needs to come. And again, the advice is that tends to bring down the emotion when you're actually taking care of all the people affected. And now it's become, as you show on your screen, just a bunch of, you know, people walking around with, with photo opportunities. That does not help, does not help the community. Oscar, you, you're in the unique position of having run a major railroad and a major airline in United. Um, we have additional funds from the Inflation Reduction Act that are going to be going out for spending on infrastructure. Um, we've seen all the problems Southwest has had, concerns about what's going on at air traffic control. You're somebody who has a pretty broad understanding of our infrastructure nationally. Where where do you think the funds are most necessary and, and should be spent? It's a complicated question because there's so many needs. And not to be biased with the industries that I know and love, 
Uh, but air traffic control would be uh, probably one of the top things on my priority list. The airspace over America, while safe, it has become slower. And uh, we are behind many, many countries around the world that have modernized their air traffic control system. So I would put that first. Um, and then from then, you have the infrastructure and the na national highway, which is also probably a, in, in, in dire need, as we saw from the Minnesota incident a few years back. Uh, the railroads, I mean, again, the numbers are dated for me, but it's probably $20 billion that we spend, uh, they spend with regards to upgrading all that rail. Uh, and so it's quite a bit of investment at keeping that rail, the infrastructure, those cars uh, as, up, as up to speed as possible. But they're mechanical objects and they will break, which is why you have the detective and investigative devices that help you. Um, and so things will happen. And again, back to the first point, that initial response is just so critical. Oscar, it's been a long time since we've seen you. We appreciate your, your time today, and I hope that we have you back soon. I saw him. I I'm coming next year, Oscar. Latitude, baby. I'm coming next, I'm coming next year. San Diego, am I invited? I think it's going to be in Miami this year, and you're invited, both of you. Love to have okay. you. All right. I get the invite, too. Huh? It's in Miami this year. Whoa. Thanks, Whoa. Thanks Oscar. Hopefully, we'll see you in May. Okay. Cheese will be next. Still to come on Squawk Pod, a deep dive into the world of betting. FanDuel and DraftKings are both winners lately. Media tech and entertainment consultant Michael Wolf has the insider's hand. The house always wins one way or the other. It's just a question of, of, of how much. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T-Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Becky Quick. Andrew uh, is out. DraftKings shares uh, are higher. The company's loss of 53 cents a share was in line with estimates. Revenue, though, $855 million, up sharply from $473 million the prior year. That was above what analysts were looking for. DraftKings also raised its guidance for the current quarter. Uh, earlier this week, FanDuel's parent company, Flutter Entertainment announced it's considering listing on a U.S. stock exchange. Uh, joining us now to talk about the trends driving online sports betting. And what's next is Michael Wolf. He's a co-founder and CEO of Activate. He's a former Yahoo board member and also served as president and COO of MTV. So, Michael, we do a lot of, like, same-store sales comparisons. It's hard to do with, with DraftKings. How many more states are we talking about? And was, is there more betting per person? More people within the states have decided to do it? What, what, that's a huge revenue jump, almost 100%. What happened? First of all, there are more states. And we're at around 30 states today where, where gambling is legalized. More of them have been allowing gambling online. Over a third of them now allow gambling online. And we're going to go from 30 by 2026. We're going to go to 45 states that where gambling is legal and and probably all of them will be online and um and it's so it's not surprising also that a lot of money is flowing into sports gambling and 
If you look at it, DraftKings, BetMGM, over 70% growth over last year, FanDuel, 58%. This is quickly coming down to a market of the top three or four players. I've asked people this, and it's sort of the the underbelly that that we all know about. Um, How much is still uh, illegal gambling, and and are those entities angry or is there a way for them to to cash in on on what's happening with legalized sports betting or is it really putting organized crime out of business in this in this part of uh of the vice uh area yeah there's there's uh, over time there's very little reason if any for there to be illicit gambling probably the only reason would be that um that you don't need to use real cash otherwise um, this is a better experience. I mean, all of these top uh, gambling companies and online, they're they're all really getting ahead from technology. The technology that they provide creates a much better and more engaging experience. So, for example, if you're betting online um, with DraftKings or or BetMGM, what you can do is not only just bet on the outcome of the game, you can have parlays inside the game you can bet oh, I know. what's going to happen in that next shot yeah those work all the time michael i can just tell you it's like a slam dunk uh it's so easy uh it's you can't believe my account i don't know what to do with all the money uh, to be honest with you i'm going to start handing it out i've, I've uh, become they'll, they'll I've give become you more. so rich who are these five states that that are never going to legalize do they have lot, state lotteries i mean what what is their rationale it's just a bad if it puts organized crime out of business how is this a bad thing or or they just never just never accept that that gambling is something that people should be doing i guess look, look it's 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 likely that it's going to eventually be legal in every state i think some of this is just going to come down to how much does the state get and for these for these top 4 companies this is extraordinary because it's just opening up new markets as time goes on. Now, let's also not forget that the Super Bowl, I mean, we had we had a 25% increase in the number of transactions do, during the Super Bowl. So when you step back from this, our, our forecast show last year we had 99 million over our 99 billion, I'm sorry, 99 billion in the US in gambling revenue. By 2026, we're forecasting it's going to be over 200 billion. Whoa. But okay. Still hard to get customers, hard to keep them. There's churn like anything else. And these got hard to make money uh, when there's all this competition. How does that finally play out where these companies don't just have big revenue, but, you know, it doesn't they don't have to give out five hundred dollar free bets to get people to switch and all the things that they're doing right now. So so each of those companies, they've been spending a ton on marketing and uh, FanDuel became pop- profitable last year. We expect that BetMGM will be profitable probably by the end of next year and at the same time DraftKings. So, and some of that has to do with they're decelerating their growth and spend on marketing, both on marketing on television, but also online. Um, the offers are going to continue. These companies are going to continue to compete against each other. But this is going to be a business of four companies, and those companies are going to enjoy this, this moment and it's going to be hard for anybody else to get in this business. I mean, they're technology businesses, but we're not going to see any of the FANG companies going into this business. I love <laughs> This just made me laugh. Um, illegal gambling, Michael, will always exist to avoid having to pay taxes like anyone has ever, like anyone has uh, ever had a game gambling. Yeah, like, it, what yeah, does that it, mean? It, what, what would that, I, I don't know what that looks like. I, I've got lost, tax loss carry forwards that go... 
you know, into into the uh, into the next into the afterlife. Yeah, but we're still going to go to the fringe. I mean, when when it's this easy to gamble anywhere in, you know, it'll still happen. You know what I mean? It's impossible. Oh. You know, that's why those c- oh. casinos. I mean, if you can build Paris in Las Vegas, you have pretty good margins, right? If you can build, you know, if, if you can build the uh, Statue of Liberty, a, a, an exact replica, they make a lot of money, don't they? The house does the house win, Michael? No, I mean, the house, look, the house always wins one way or the other. It's just a question of, of, of how much. It's fun. But I know, up but until it's fun. Now, up until now, illicit has been difficult. It was on the phone. You weren't able to. This, this is as simple as oh, trading stocks on Robinhood. I made a couple of, of wagers while I was talking to you when, when the camera wasn't on. No, I didn't. I'm kidding because I don't have any money left. Michael Wolf in that account. Thank you. It's good. <laughs> Great. Great day. <laughs> Thank you. You know what? I, I looked today. There's no NBA games. For, the, for a while, because it also, I'm like... And you're starting to get the shakes already? <laughs> no, I'm just happy. It's like I don't have to worry that I'm missing something. Well, then that's a good sign. Yeah. That you're not getting the shakes and the withdrawal symptoms. That's the podcast for today and for the week. Make sure you join us on Tuesday. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. Don't forget to follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And to share your favorite episodes with your friends, family, colleagues, whoever. We appreciate every listener. We'll meet you back here next week. Have a great long weekend. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.